I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and this is Bible Thinker, the program dedicated to thinking biblically about everything. All right, today we're talking about a pivotal issue, a pivotal issue in dealing with the question of whether followers of Jesus should be obeying the law of Moses and whether the Hebrew roots slash Torah observant movement is correct. Um, This can be, um, I think, really helpful as we talk about this today, this issue of are we under the law? And what does that phrase under the law mean when Paul uses it in, for example, Romans chapter 6, verse 14? So we're going to dig into that and more. I think it'll be really helpful when, um, when we analyze a pivotal issue, like a central issue, because you can get lost in all the details sometimes, as can really happen in this topic. I mean, big time as I'm studying this stuff and looking at the content from people who are part of the movement, who many of them, I would say, you know, if they hold to the gospel of Christ, that they're my brothers and sisters, and we're having an in-house, you know, discussion on the topic. Um, I think the Bible is very clear on the topic, but I would like to demonstrate that for you. So the question is, what does Romans 6.14 mean when it says that we are not under the law? This is a question we absolutely should be asking. Um, you may think that the fact that we're not under the law seals the deal, but not if you interpret this passage the way that 119 Ministries does. My brothers whom I love, by the way, <laughs> 119 Ministries. Um, so welcome to the Tuesday live stream. I'm Pastor Mike Winger. Um, I've actually got over 300 videos. Did you know this? On theology, apologetics, and following Jesus that are free, absolutely free online, as well as on my website, BibleThinker.org, and a bunch of podcasts that we are continuing to update and, and put up because of my friend Orlando who volunteers to do that. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, and this is all meant to help you learn to think biblically about everything in particular um, today, part of the Tuesday live stream, this is part of my four part series at this point, four parts. Will there be more? I don't know yet. I don't want to promise anything, but possibly, um, on the Hebrew roots, Torah observant movement in part one, just to give you a recap, cause you may want to check it out. And in fact, I put a link in the video description to the whole series. So the whole playlist, um, I gave my first reactions in part one to the teaching of this movement and I dealt with some foundational issues and some common slogans and confusions that I thought should be front loaded before dealing with other things. Then in part two, I went to what's probably the central filter that the, the way they interpret Matthew five is like the central filter for a lot of people in this movement. So I went through the teachings of Jesus, especially his statement in Matthew five, that he didn't come to destroy the law or prophets, but to fulfill them. Um, Then in part three, that was last week, we surveyed the entire book of Act. It was about an hour and a half, a long stream, to see that the Gentiles who turned to Jesus were told that they did not need to be circumcised or keep the law of Moses like the Jews had previously, not as part of salvation nor as part of their sanctification. And this is pretty good stuff. And it's all before Paul, for those who think it's just about Paul. We're talking, we started with Jesus, we did Acts, and today we're getting into some Paul stuff. So we're tackling the phrase, under the law. What does it mean to be under the law? And I haven't heard any bad news yet, so I'm assuming that the stream is working just fine because <laughs> I'm never 100% sure. Um, all right. I'm going to show you, though, to start off, I'm going to show you their interpretation. I haven't done this in the past couple of weeks. I'm actually going to play clips from 119 Ministries and show you their interpretation of uh, this phrase, under the law, and then we'll look at the Bible to see what is meant by the teaching that we're not under the law. I think when we when we can look at their interpretation and think about it thoughtfully, right, then we can really get to the to the nitty-gritty, get to the bottom of this thing and understand exactly what's going on. So, uh, let's let's just jump right in. Uh, I'm going to give you now their um, the first clip. This is for for their understanding, their interpretation of um, 
uh, of Romans 6.14 in particular. There are several passages that use the phrase under the law of God, but this is the one that they're going to interpret. So um, here we go. Listen carefully because I'm going to analyze what you're about to hear after you hear it. Like Paul, we fully believe and teach that we should not encourage others to place themselves back under the law. Romans 6.14 For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. But which law are we not under? Paul actually mentions several. The law of God. The law of sin. The law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life. The law of faith. The law of righteousness. Even the law of Christ. But clearly, we should not be under the law, but under grace. Amen. And we agree. But what does that actually mean? Does it really mean what many think it means? That's the question. Does it really mean what many think it means? And so um, what we're going to get from this is uh, the first thing that they're going to do, 119 Ministries, in in analyzing and handling this passage is they're going to say, first, we want you to wonder what law Paul is talking about here. And they give you like this list of like six. And you could even add more, right? You could could add a couple others that they didn't put on there where Paul says a lot of and mentions something. Um, So this this list of options is meant to include any time Paul uses the word, the phrase, the law of, and then put something after it. Notice that they're not actually looking at times when Paul uses under the law. They, In fact, in this entire video, they never survey every time Paul says under the law to find out what he means by the phrase. Um, they compare the phrase the law to phrases like the law of, which is to say, um, well, I'll come back to that in a little bit, but they're, they're doing a bad comparison, right? Um, when he says the law, full stop, period, that's different than the law of something, something, something. And they're, they're trying to make a, uh, a connection that doesn't belong. It shouldn't be happening. Um, but that's the first step. Step one, get you to wonder what law Paul's talking about here. I, I actually think that's a good thing to think about. I just think they answer the question in a bad way, but it's a good question to ask. Um, the second move that they make is to create a false dichotomy. And I'm going to show you this in, in clip number two now. To keep you from thinking they mean that Paul means the law of Moses, they're going to actually... Uh, give you two options, a fault, which are a false dichotomy. And this, this, these two options will be either Paul's talking about being dominated by sin or Paul's talking about being under the law of Moses. It can't be both. It can't be both. And that is the whole thing. That's this whole like 16 minute video. That's the focus of it. Um, now what I'm going to encourage you to do is listen and watch for this move. Watch for how they give you a false dichotomy. And then they're going to actually, in, in the same clip, I'm going to show you clip two, they're going to change the actual wording of the text in Romans 6.14. And it's subtle, but it, you'll notice it now that I've pointed it out. They'll actually change the meaning of the verse by changing the words in the verse and then putting new words on the screen. This is what the verse is now. And it has to do with uh, messing with Greek, but I'll come to that later. First, let me show you the clip. Watch for the two moves. False dichotomy, changing the meaning of the verse. Here we go. Note that he says that sin will have no dominion over you, which means that at one time, sin did have dominion over us. Meaning this, at one time, we were under sin, according to Paul. One might say, Paul is not talking about us being under sin, but about us being no longer under the law. And that is where the error happens. Even though it is the exact same sentence, too many make the error that the first half of Paul... Okay, I just got to pause and point it out, right? He only gave you two options. Many people are going to say, it's not about having sin issues. It's only about being under the law of Moses. Or it's about having sin issues and it's not about the law of Moses. Like that's a false dichotomy. It's clearly about both, which I'll explain more later. And listen in to, to hear how the verse actually becomes changed. He already smuggled it in. He said under sin, um, but that's not what the text says. Now watch what he does. 
is about one thing, and the second half is about another thing. Something about this law that we are not under actually relates to sin having no dominion over us. The law that we are no longer under has something to do with also not being under sin. That is the context before us, and in the very same sentence. What if Paul was referring to not being under the law of God in Romans 6.14? Did Paul mean that we are not under the law of God because we are not under sin? If it is the law of God that is no longer over us, then that would mean that Paul is equating the law of God to being sin. Now, is the law of God sin? Okay, no, the law of God is not sin, but let me take you back to this part in, in the, in the uh, video. Look at what's on your screen right now. Did Paul mean that we are not under the law of God because we are not under sin? No, he says that we're not under the dominion or the mastery of sin, and it's because we're not under the law. Um, th there's a difference. There's a difference. So he's going to say that if you, if, you, if you think law of God, or I should say if you think the law in the second part of verse 14 refers to the law of Moses, which they always call the law of God, um, then you're going to have to say the law of God is sin. This is, this is wrong. This is very wrong. Um, it's to them either we're under sin or we're under the law of God. Um, those are the options, but know that these are not two options that Paul's presenting us with. He's giving us a connection. And I can show you this through other scriptures. So let me bring up for you um, my Bible software. You guys can actually look on the screen. I'm going to show you a number of scriptures right now that demonstrate that there is not just a contrast between the law of Moses and sin, but there's a connection between our sinfulness and the law of Moses. And so we're going to get that now. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the knowledge of sin, the awareness of sin comes through the law. So that doesn't make the law sinful. The law is not sin, and we're not saying that. But it's obviously that it's obvious that Paul's connecting the two concepts here. In Romans 7, 8, it says, but sin, seizing opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. Ah, so sin is triggered by the, by the law, and you can get into the details of that in Romans 7. It's really interesting. But the sin is, is uh, its power, the power of sin, the strength of sin relies on the law. Ah, okay. So not being under the law and not being under the dominion of sin, that does make sense now. Uh, in Galatians 3... 21 and 22, it says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. The scripture, that's where the law of Moses is, right? It imprisoned everything under sin. That hearing these rules that I'm not, I do this, don't do that, it shows me that I am trapped in sin. It reveals my sinfulness. Why? So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe, who just trust. So salvation by faith, because I realize works aren't going to cut it. That's the idea. So um, we're not looking at a contrast here. We're looking at a, 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 uh, a comparison of two conjoined things. My sinfulness is connected to the law of God, not because of any flaw in the law, but because of a flaw in me. That would be the context. Um, finally, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is is the law. So now you can understand how in Romans 6.14, there's a connection between not being under the law and not being under the dominion of sin. So he tries to strengthen this 
this case of, of his creating a, a contrast where there's actually not, it's a coupling and a comparison. I should, not even a comparison, really. It's, it's just conjoining these two ideas. Since I'm not, I don't have one, I don't have the other. That's the idea. Um, but he does this by changing the verse, right? Uh, into where it now says under sin instead of the actual word in the Greek, which is going to be a whole different word entirely. I'll, I'll put the two words up here. So Romans 6.14 Sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So there's the word dominion related to sin. Sin has dominion. And under related to the, to the word law. And he, of course, changed that. But what does the Greek actually say? This is the word dominion. Um, and it's just a quick, I'm not going to do a bunch of Greek stuff. I just want to put it on your screen so you can see it for those of you who are watching on video. Um, this is the Greek word for dominion, uh, kiriuse, and it is, or kiriuo, which anyway, however you want to, that's the lexical form. Who cares? I don't really know Greek that well. I'll be completely upfront and honest with you. But relying upon the great resources I have to study this stuff, um, this Greek word means dominion. It means to dominate, to exercise control over someone as his master. It has very little to do with the connection of hupo, which is different. That's the word for under the law. I'm not under the law. Hupo which means to be under, to be under the control of. And if I could extend this picture a little bit more, you would see under obligation, under obligation to the law. I'm not under obligation to the law. And that is why sin will not have mastery over me. That's what Romans 6.14 is saying. He wants to sort of flatten it out. So half the verse is just lost. And all it says is you're not under sin, so you're not under sin. Um, that doesn't really make a lot of sense though. Now we're going to get to the third clip and this is, this is where they give you their conclusion. Now they have a 16 minute video. I will, oh, I didn't do it. I'll link it in the description below. As soon as the live stream's over, you're welcome to watch it. There's a lot of stuff in there that I, I think is, um, it just took them a long time to get to their point and I was looking for clips for clarity. So I grabbed the clips I could. Um, so anyways, clip three, this, this clip's going to give you their conclusion. What law was Paul talking about? Uh, we'll look at their conclusion and then we'll compare. I'll give you some responses to that. And then we'll do the most important part, which is we'll just survey the scripture to see what Paul means when he says we're not under the law. What does that even mean? All right, here's clip three. Listen up. What we would like to propose is that Paul is introducing a concept of what is called the law of sin and death in Romans chapter six, verse 14, and that he is not speaking specifically of the law of God in that context. This would mean that Paul is not saying that we are not under the law of God, but instead he is saying that we are no longer under the law of sin and death. We would propose that Paul is teaching that when we come into the faith, our Messiah's death enabled us to be free from the bondage of sin and allowed us to overcome death. Thus, we are no longer under the law of sin and the law of sin and death, but under grace. We are no longer under the law of sin and death. Okay, so first remember they gave you a false dichotomy. It's either sin or the law of Moses. Whereas Romans 6.14 is giving you both. You're not in the domination of sin because you're not under the law, which will be the law of Moses, which they always call the law of God. That term is used in other ways in scripture. So I don't use that term to only refer to the law of Moses as exclusively as they do. Inclusively I do though. Um, but at any rate, this image I'm leaving on the screen here, it shows the great, the, the impact of this false dichotomy, right? Because I could agree with everything he just said. I could agree with all that, all the interpretation that we were just given, except that it's, it's not exclusive, it's inclusive, right? You know, these definitions, one, two, and three, law of God, law of sin, law of sin, and death, if we take law of God to mean law of Moses, if we take it that way, I could say we're not under any of those. All three of those I'm not under in Christ. But the bottom four definitions I am. I'm under the law of the spirit of life, the law of faith, the law of righteousness, the law of Christ, um, at any rate. Um, 
the uh, the idea is a false dichotomy is keeping us from interpreting this passage correctly. And I can give you some more examples of why this is true. For example, uh, in Romans 6.14, Paul does not say, he does not say um, the law of sin. He says the law. He just says the law. Now, this is a big deal because when when uh, when Paul talks about law, you're just not under law. Here, ESV says uh, not under law. Um, King James says not under law, but under grace. NASB says not under law, but under grace. We're just not under law. We're under grace. It's like a type of thing we're under, not law, grace. This is, to those who read Paul's writings, we go, this is about the law of Moses. It seems clear. There's no qualifier used. And in fact, the phrase the law is used 35 times before this without qualifiers. Law without a qualifier. 35 times before this in, in the book of Romans. And as you march through Romans, starting in Romans 2 really is where we get it, where we get the law, because he starts talking about the Jews. Um, in Romans 2, 3, 4, and 5, we get it 35 times, and every time, no qualifier, just the law, not the law of, it's always talking about the law of Moses. As far as I can tell, in 96 uses of the law, every time it refers to the law of Moses, unless a specific qualifier is used, unless he says the law of sin, the law of the spirit of life. That just seems consistent throughout the book of Romans. Um, even after talking about other laws, like the law of sin, which is actually talking about the fact that my sin nature, just I want to sin. Even after talking about that, he later just reverts to the law as a generic reference to the law of Moses. He doesn't feel like he has to qualify it. Um, so it seems like an unqualified law is the law of Moses in the book of Romans, as you just survey through the text. There's another issue. Um, they think that Paul, as we heard, is introducing the concept of the law of sin and death in Romans 6, verse 14. Like, here it comes. The law of sin and death, that's been introduced here. Except the problem is he hasn't given us any reason to think that Paul is introducing the law of sin and death. It's just, this is called ad hoc. Like, I'm just, I'm giving this interpretation, but without textual reasons for it. Paul introduces the concept in chapter 7 of the law of sin, and he goes through an actual introduction. Like, he describes it, and then he calls it at the end, the law of sin how it affects him, how he doesn't do what he wants to do, how, you know, he delights in the law, according to the law of God, or delights in the law of God according to his inner man, but, you know, this this carnality issue. So he introduces the concept, then names it the law of sin. That that makes sense. That's the introduction. Romans 7 is the introduction, so not Romans 6. Um, now, I don't have a clip for this next thing I want to share with you, but um, there's one more thing. I, I would have grabbed a clip, but I couldn't get it, like, in a, in a, in a synopsis, like, in a short sentence, you know, or, or a few sentences that was like a minute or less. But here's what happens. Um, they'll say, hey, the way to be free, to be free from the law of sin, which they identify as Romans six 14, we're not under the laws, the law of sin. Um, the way to be free from that is to be under the law of Moses. Do you catch that change? The way I'll be free from the, from the law of sin, which that's not what the passage is talking about. But the way I'll be free from it is by being under the law of Moses. And how do they establish this? They go back to a verse I covered in my first video in this series. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, sin is lawlessness. And I think that's a wrong interpretation of that verse. And I think I demonstrated that in my first video. Um, so in other words, they interpret, when you add all these interpretations together, their final word is, Romans 6.14 tells you, uh, sin will have no dominion over you since you were not under law but under grace. That translates in as, as basically meaning this. Sin's not going to control your life because you're going to be under the law of Moses. That's what's happened. This has like been some sort of weird circle we went in. Create a false dichotomy. 
change the meaning of the words in the verse in the verse itself ignore the ignore the the coupling that's there on purpose and act like it then concludes through a weird interpretation of first john 4 3 now it means everyone's supposed to be obeying the law of moses that's how they'll be free from sin that's not what romans is talking about so um i will give you one more reason right here in romans 6 14 um, let me bring it up on your screen again and i'll take your guys questions uh, after i run through these scriptures here in, in, in a few minutes um, as I usually try to do. Um, this is their passage. There's a lot of under the law passages. We're going to look at a bunch of them real quick tonight. Just survey them to see the clear meaning of under the law. Um, but in Romans 6.14, this is their passage. And their interpretation is under the law means under sin, under the control of sin. It doesn't have anything to do with the law of Moses. It's except that the law of Moses will rescue you from this because you'll be obeying it. So let's read verse 14 and 15. And let's see if verse 15 makes any sense based on their interpretation. And I think it doesn't. I think this is a really big deal. Um, so, for sin will have no dominion over you since you were not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Verse 15. He's answering a challenge. Paul's like, hey, you may misunderstand. You may, you may, you may not get the point of what I said in verse 14. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clarify in verse 15. Now, you might think that verse 14 means it's okay to sin. Now, on their interpretation of verse 14, if, if law means sin, if that's what it means, then verse 15 doesn't make any sense and there's no reason for it. If not being under the law merely means not under the power of sin, then why would anybody misunderstand Paul and think it, that they would conclude, are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? No. That it doesn't make sense. Like right there in the context, this verse just falls apart. Verse 15 is nonsensical on their interpretation of verse 14. Only if under the law means law of Moses, does verse 15 make any sense? Because if I read that as I'm not under the law of Moses, I'm not under law, including the law of Moses, right? But I'm under grace, if that's what it means, then all of a sudden verse 15 makes sense. What then are we to sin because we're not under the law? No, by no means. And then he'll go on in Romans and in Galatians to establish walking in the spirit as like the new mode of life for the Christian believers, for those who follow Jesus. They walk in the spirit and that is going to be the way in which they'll not be sinning because they're in this newness of life because of what God has done in their lives. Um, that's just what makes sense. So the, um, the Hebrew roots definition, at least I got from 119 Ministries, and I'm not picking on them if anybody wants to know why I chose them for these videos. Um, it's because they're among the few that I could find in the Hebrew Roots movement who actually talk about the passages that might refute them. And they like deal with them and they try to give interpretations to them and they have videos on the topic. So it gave me something to respond to. I want to deal with the scripture, you know, like verse by verse, let's look at this text together. And most people don't do that, that I was, at least as far as I could discover. I've had a really hard time finding people who would talk about the verses that seem to prove them wrong. And, um, and they did, and I appreciated that. But their interpretation of this verse is, you know, under the law merely means don't be under the instructions of sin, um, which would be telling us to obey the law of Moses. In other words, we're under the law of Moses. That's their interpretation. And here is their biggest mistake, um, I think, in interpretation and in Bible study in this passage, is they didn't look up any other passages of the many passages where Paul, same author, he uses the phrase under the law. Because we could find out in Romans and Galatians, we could find out what Paul means when he says under the law by just examining these passages. So we're going to do that right now. The first one is going to be Romans chapter 2, verse 12. 
And that's the first time he uses the phrase in the book of Romans. Paul says, for all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law, there's that phrase, under the law, will be judged by the law. This is Jews. I mean, it's a bit complicated, right? If you read Romans 1 through 3, you'll fully get it, right? It's, it's contrasting Jews and Gentiles, showing that all have sinned. The Gentiles sinned without the law, and they're still going to perish because of their, they knew that they were doing something wrong. Their conscience bore witness with them. And the Jews sinned under the law, and they too will be judged by the law. So that, or they'll be judged by the law. So they'll be, they'll be uh, we're all trapped under judgment. We all need grace. That's the idea. So under the law here refers to just Jewish people. People who have the law of Moses. If you read on, it confirms this. If you just read verse 12 through 29, just the rest of Romans 2, it's all about the difference between the Jew who has the written code or the law versus the Gentile who does not. So under the law in Romans 2.12 doesn't mean under sin, under sin's you know power, because the Gentiles, are, it's said that they're not under the law. Well, they're certainly under sin, right? They've sinned without the law. So it's referring obviously to it something not related to uh, what 119 was thinking about. Um, so yeah, let's look at the next verse. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now this again, after building that case that all the world is guilty and that even the Jew who has the law and tries to follow it, they're still having their sins revealed, Right? They're, they're just people like the rest of us and they too fail and they need the grace of God. And so, um, uh, yes, under the law here is referring to who? Jewish people. It's the Jews. They're, they're under the law. That's the reference. There's no false sense of justification through the law. That, that's, that doesn't mean anything else other than they just have the law. That's the one qualifier. They simply have the law. Jesus will rescue us from this as we get later into Romans 6. And we see that we will not be under the law. We'll be under grace. And we see that Paul's building something up. He's creating a big case for our freedom from sin because we're no longer under the law. Um, now, let's, uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20, where Paul uses the phrase again. He says, I'll read 20 and 21. Uh, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not myself being under the law, he uses the phrase three, no, four times that I might win those under the law. That's, he's obviously talking about just Jewish people. Then he refers to Gentiles in verse 21. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Do you see that Paul, and I quoted this actually last week when we were talking about Paul's conduct and acts and trying to understand it. Um, Paul's saying, I went to the Jews and I would become as though I was under the law. Under the law. You can't just say, oh, that only means the traditions of the elders. Well, no. I mean, he just, it, the consistent interpretation of the phrase under the law is that he's just talking about being under the law. Now, I want to um, give you a comparison. Let's take the Hebrew roots interpretation. Um, they want to they interpret under the law to be under the law of sin, you know, using sin as lawlessness and you're therefore under the law of sin. Um, all that kind of stuff. It, I know it's a little confusing. You have to watch their video to catch it all. But um, but obviously this is not the case because he refers to Jews here and Gentiles and Jews are under the law, Gentiles are not. He's not saying Gentiles don't have sin. 
Okay, that, that's not a viable interpretation. It's not an option for us here. It's just not an option at all. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean the law of sin and death. Just under the law, it just means that. Then, um, let's see. Paul gives two caveats I want to mention really quickly because these are both really important. Um, he says that when he's hanging out with the Jews and he's doing the under the law things, he has a caveat. He goes, I'm not really under the law though. Right? But then when he's hanging out with the Gentiles and he's doing Gentile things and he's seemingly setting aside, it seems like he's setting aside those Jewish laws, at least some of them, he's very careful to say, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. So the Jew might look at him and think, oh, you, you feel like you're under the law. And he goes, no, I'm not. The Gentile might look at him and, and, and think, oh, you feel like you can just do anything you want. And he goes, no, I can't. I have the law of God here, which is obviously not the law of Moses. He's not under that, but he's under the law of Christ. Right, under the fulfillment of it in Christ. And this is that fulfillment theology stuff we've been talking about. I know it can get a little bit confusing, but it's really what Jesus, I think, was getting at in Matthew 5, that fulfillment theology. That's at least my understanding of it for what it's worth. Um, so, um, yeah, remember, they want under the law to be under the law of sin, which everyone is. But obviously, that's not how Paul's using the phrase because he uses it of Gentiles who are not under uh, the law yet they are sinners. So in Galatians 3.23, we have another verse. It says, but before faith came, we were held captive under the law. In fact, they're even trapped under it, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. This is him talking about the Jews, the ones who, in fact, he goes through, he talks about Abraham and then the law came. Um, so there's a promise and then the law comes and we're held under that. We're held captive under the law. It's just talking about the law of Moses here. Um, so, yes, that's, again, a confirmation that under the law means the law of Moses. And then um, Galatians um, 3.25. You know, I'd like to hear other interpretations of these passages. I mean, I'm interested. The, the scripture's king, right? It's, it's not me and my interpretation that rules. I just think I have a really good case here with lots of scriptures and reasons to support it. Maybe I've made a mistake somewhere, and I hope you spot it if I have. Um, but the overall point, I think, is is going to be undeniable, uh, ultimately, that un, you know we're not under the law. Um, and that refers to the law of Moses. Although there's a fulfillment of it, so we're not without law before God, and we're not without the law of Christ. So we're in the fulfillment of it. And I'll, maybe I'll get in, more into that in future uh, videos. We'll see if, if I cover that or not. I don't want to make any promises just yet because um, I haven't decided. So Galatians 3.25 says, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So... A couple of verses before, we got that they were under the law, held captive under it. And, he, and now he says, but now that faith has come, we're not. We're not under a guardian anymore. What was the guardian? The guardian's the law. So we're not under the law. Clearly the law of Moses. Clearly we're not under it anymore. That's the clear teaching in Galatians here. Now, if you doubt that, I'm just going to pause for a second and not even explain anything. I'm just going to read to you. Galatians 3, verses 1, 21 through 28. I'm just going to read these eight verses. Think about this stuff. And be, feel free to load your questions in the, in the comments if you guys like. Um, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness indeed would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. 
For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you catch that? And I mean, I could read on it. It, it just keeps, now it talks about the heirship. We, we're heirs in Christ and all that. Um, but there's no Jew or, or Greek. Now this verse, I think it says there's neither Jew nor Greek. I think if we were to interpret it in the Hebrew roots manner, we would have to say it should say there is no Greek, only Jew. Right? We're all just Jews now. We're all Jewish now, you know, in that understanding. Um, but instead, because we're not under the law, it's irrelevant whether you're Jewish or Greek. It doesn't matter because you're in Christ and you're not under the law. Either you were under it and by virtue of Christ, it's fulfilled in you um, and then you were no longer under it or you were never under it, but Jesus stepped in and fulfilled it and you were then grafted in to that promise. And so we go to another verse, Galatians 4, verse 4 through 5. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. <laughs> now I'll tell you a funny story why there's highlighter marks on this passage. I was reading the Bible on my phone app, which is from Logos, the same software that has this. And I was falling asleep while reading and I my thumb kept falling on the page and highlighting random passages. So there's like, I think especially in Galatians, I have these like random highlighted passages because I kept nodding. Um so, sorry about that. Um, at any rate, I happen to hap happily underline the phrase under the law. So, that's good here. Um, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Jesus was born under the law. So, the law can't be the idea that you're under the mastery of sin. That can't be the idea. If Jesus was born under it. It can be connected to the idea that you're under the mastery of sin. Right? You're under the law. You fail it. It's, it shows you what's right. You fail to do it. It reveals the mastery of sin in your life. But you can't say Jesus was under the mastery of sin. And so that, that um, interpretation of, of Romans doesn't really work consistently with other places where we get the same phrases. Um, in Galatians 4.21, I got two more for you. Uh, Tell me you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Right? You who desire to be under the law. There it is. There's the idea. They were going to get circumcised and they were going to start obeying the law of Moses. That made them under the law. Now you could say it just means under it for justification. But really, they were going to be under it, period, in, for justification if they believed these, these Judaizers. In, in, uh, that, that's the term that we get in uh, Galatians. Um, but they were also just going to be under it to just obey it. And Paul rejects both ideas. He's like, no, 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 no. You're misunderstanding the theology of being in Christ. You're not under the law. This is profound. It's not just the removal of the law. That's not the idea. We're not just, get rid of that law. It's bad. It's glorious. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. We're talking about it being fulfilled in Christ. And now we're going to be led by the Spirit and will not be under the law. And that's what he'll get into in Galatians uh, chapter 5 when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and how against such things there is no law because we're not under the law. We're walking in the Spirit. God's own Spirit working within us to bring out the character of Christ in our life. That's the idea, not the... Um, um, the being under the covenant of the Mosaic law. That's the idea. We're not under that. So, um, conclusions. Here's some conclusions for you. Oh, I had one more verse for you. Sorry. Galatians 5.18. Then conclusions, then I'll go to your guys' questions. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, you could say that that's the law of sin, but there's no warrant in the passage to say it's the law of sin. Paul says under the law multiple times, I give you 
eight, nine passages, nine different passages where he uses the phrase, and what works every time is the law of Moses. What doesn't work is the law of sin. There's no, con- no contextual reason to think it says that, and, um, and it's inconsistent with, uh, with the context of just about every one of these passages. So this is profound. This is not just the removal of the law, it's the leading of the Spirit. Man, I'm in the Spirit, I'm not under the law. Okay, so now I walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I walk in the fullness of what Christ has has given me. I grow in Christ, I get sanctified in Christ, but I'm not actually under the law in that sense. So here's my conclusions. This one issue, this one issue, and the interpretation of whether it's Romans 6.14 or these other passages in Galatians, Romans, 1 Corinthians, I think this one issue refutes the idea that we're supposed to observe the Torah as Christians today in the strict sense of being under the law of Moses. It doesn't mean there isn't application, doesn't mean there isn't wisdom, doesn't mean there isn't prophecy or teaching available to us in it. There is, and we need to you know, be absorbing those things and learning from it, but we're not under it. That's the difference. Um, this doesn't mean uh, that we're, uh, we're just going to go live lives of sin, of course. It just means we serve God in a new way. And I'll give you one, one last verse before I go to you guys. Romans 7, 6. Here's the new way. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. This is such a, a, a powerful passage uh, for talking about this issue. And it all does work together quite well. Um, that's my understanding about the passage. It's my understanding about the concept of the, you know being under the law. And I think that it really well refutes the... Um, the Hebrew roots perspective. And I think that um, hopefully this helps somebody. We're just looking at scripture. We're letting scripture be king here and tell us what to think and, and about our theology and uh, what it means to not be under the law. So I hope that this is helpful to you guys. This is like a I've hyper-focused on one issue. Last week we did an entire survey of the whole book of Acts. Um, but this is one issue, under the law. What does it mean? It means the law of Moses. I'm not under it. doesn't mean I sin. Nope. It means I'm under something else. I'm in the law of Christ, walking in the spirit, with the fruit of the Spirit. And then the question of how to uh, interpret and apply the Old Testament law, that's something else to talk about because it's uh, it's important and we have lots of examples of how to do that in Scripture. Um, okay, so I have questions from you guys. Um, Power Drunk uh, says, Hey Mike, why would this group not be considered false teachers when they clearly teach non-truths and do so on purpose by twisting Scripture to fit with their narratives? Um, I don't know if, if what's happening on purpose or not. Um, maybe I'm being naive i mean i mean that sincerely when i assume that people are being honest and sincere and they're you know trying to do what they think is right um i think they're wrong i think their interpretations are wrong i think they have i think what's happened is they approach romans six fourteen, for instance with assumptions that are wrong that will not allow them to interpret the passage correctly and so they have to find a way around it and i think that they know that too um that they're that it was like they approach it and go, I got to find a way around that interpretation. So then you start looking for it. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not um, my brothers. Um, I, you know, you could be Christian and have quite a lot of wrong things. And I'm kind of grateful for this because, hey, I'm sure that's me. I'm sure that I've got things wrong that I don't know of. And maybe I'll look back one day, uh, maybe maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe 20 years from now. And I'll look back at my videos and I'll just go delete a video because I go, oh, that was just wrong. My, my I got that. I thought I was right. I was sincere. I thought I was interpreting scripture right, but I was just wrong. If that happens, um, I was I was wrong. I was teaching something wrong, but I, it didn't mean I wasn't saved. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I err on the side of grace if I'm not sure. 
if someone's walking with the Lord or not. I err on the side of grace. I think it's a better way to do life. <laughs> Makes it a lot easier, to be honest. Um, yeah, but I but I don't pass judgment on them, to be honest, about one way or the other. Um, I just want to focus on the teaching. That's my thing. Uh, so Josh Kretschmar says, um, are we supposed to keep the law of Christ? What specifically is the law of Christ? Um, I think the law of Christ is is walking in love. Uh, that's how it's summarized. Jesus explained to us that the Old Testament law could be summarized as love, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that heart of the law, he gives us that too. And I think if you read um, the Sermon on the Mount, you'll see that Jesus is giving you the heart of the law. It's not inconsistent with the Old Testament law. It's just not identical with it. Right, it's not, and you can see that it's not identical with the Old Testament law, but but it is consistent with it, and that's the law of Christ. The things that Jesus taught, uh, the principle of love, love others as I, as I have loved you, forgive others as you've been forgiven, uh, walk in in uh, in obedience to Jesus Christ, no provision for the flesh, holiness, love. That's the law of Christ, and um, walking in the Spirit, as we read about in in uh, Romans or in uh, Galatians, well, Galatians and Romans, I should say. So I hope that helps. I could do a whole study on the law of Christ, actually. What is the law of Christ? Maybe I should do a video on that. If you guys think so, let me know in the comments and I'll, I'll really consider it a survey of scriptures that reveal what this law of Christ thing is. Unplugged has a question. Uh, what if the lesser commandment spoken of by Jesus, which is spoken of numerous times, um, the Sabbath is never mentioned once by Jesus in his lesser laws? Um, I'm not sure if I have a quick memory of the way Jesus used the phrase, the, the lesser things. I mean, it's in Matthew. I believe it's in the Sermon on the Mount. But um, at any rate, um, we know the Sabbath is a big deal to God. If you're under the law, you better keep the Sabbath, right? The guy who gathered sticks that first time around, um, he, the Lord ha- had him uh, executed. And it was, there was more details to the story, but, the, but it was a rebellion against God. It was open-faced rebellion against God. Jesus clarified some other things about the Sabbath and about how they had taken the Sabbath and made it a burden instead of a rest for people, and that was a problem. But he didn't um, say anything was wrong with it. Romans 14 talks about the Sabbath specifically, and uh, Colossians and 1 Corinthians as well, that we're not, we're not bound uh, by it. And um, yeah, Timmy Pine says, how do you handle this thinking? Premise one, okay, here's a logical argument. Premise one, if we're not under the law, there is no judgment for sin. Premise two, there is judgment for sin. Conclusion, therefore, we're under the law. Um, okay, let's take the premises one at a time. Premise one, we're not, if we're not under the law, there is no judgment for sin. I would say there's different kinds of judgment for sin. Uh, the judgment a believer goes through versus a non-believer are two different kinds of things. God still chastens us, still deals with us. So that's not quite accurate. So premise two could be, there is judgment for sin, would be, well, what kind and for which people? Um, and therefore, uh, we're under the law. I would say, no, therefore, we're not under the law. So yeah. So I would say that the there could be equivocation there between suggesting there's no kind of judgment for sin, and therefore, we must have law in order to have judgment. But w- rather, I would say we have different kind of judgment for believers versus non-believers, and that would help me escape that argument. Uh, Miss TQ, at least that's my off the cuff response. Maybe if I sat and thought about it for five minutes, I'd have something uh, more thoughtful. But uh, Miss TQ says, or Miss T has a Q, has a question. Being under the law of Moses means that we need to follow the Old Testament. This is still very confusing to me. Um, yeah, that's that's what, what what it would mean is if if you were under the law of Moses, Miss T, you would be like, 
I I can't, you know, for a guy like me, you know, I can't cut my hair certain ways. I need to only wear certain kinds of clothing, um, you know, like not mixed, you know, polyester, cotton, that kind of thing. Um, I need to let the land rest if I'm a farmer every seven years. I need to not eat certain kinds of foods. I need to observe the feast days. I need to do all these, all of it. It's the law of Moses is an all or nothing thing. That's kind of the idea, right? You're in it. You're in the covenant or you're not of, of the law of Moses. And so we stand in the fulfillment of that covenant, but we're not exactly in that covenant. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, Josh Kretschmer has another question. Says, do humans have a sinful nature? Um, I would say absolutely. Yes, we do. Um, how you really nail that down is a little bit of a challenge for me. And I don't know if I've fully nailed it down how to describe that sinful nature, but I can speak in the sweeping generalization that all humans sin and there's something wrong with our, uh, with us, <laughs> like in our nature. And that would be a really obvious truth. I think we can all hold to, um, Jesse Cheek says, Mike, have you thought about unpacking Proverbs eight and what wisdom has to do in creation or defining it in context of other places it's used? Um, please, this is something nobody really tackles. I have really thought about that and the connection between Proverbs eight and Jesus that people sometimes speak about. I've definitely considered it and, I'll think about it in the future. Maybe I'll do a video on that, Jesse. Uh, thank you for the suggestion. Uh, Tom Kendrick says, I have a question. Was Eve under the law or was she under grace? Um, Eve was not under the law of Moses because the law of Moses didn't exist. And so she had a command though, right? Do not eat of the tree. So you could say she had a law from God. So she wasn't without some sort of command or you know knowledge about what God wants her to do. She was under the law of God in a sense, right? But not in the sense in, the, in which that's the law of Moses. And that's, I think, an actually a really important distinction. Eve was therefore not necessarily under grace, right? In Christ, we're under grace, end of story. And we have, and I'm not saying she didn't receive Christ. I'm saying that in the order to not eat of the tree and the getting kicked out of the garden, that wasn't that wasn't being under grace. In the restoration of those things, and in, in God perhaps giving her the skins is maybe a picture of Christ and the promise God made to her, there's grace. So she got both kind of like the Jews got both, but not the law of Moses. Um, number nine, this is from uh, F. Castellanos. Castellanos. Um, would you call 119 another gospel? Uh, no. Um, now in one of their videos, now I, I want to be careful here. In one of their videos, the first video I did in the series, I played a clip from them where they said, um, hey, you know, at first they said, you know, the law doesn't save. You don't need the law to be saved. You don't need to obey the law of Moses to be saved. Then they said, but if you're living in rebellion to, to what you know God wants you to do, then you're apostate. And I'm, some, I'm paraphrasing here. And they said, and now you know, because of our video, you're supposed to be under the law. So by the end of the video, there was like this impression that if you don't follow the law of Moses, you're effectively not saved. Um, afterwards, after I did a video, they did a response and they affirmed again that you're saved by grace through faith alone, apart from works. And I, I am grateful for that. And I, I, I thank them for making that clarification. Um, so I, for that reason, I would not call that a false gospel. And that's a pretty big deal to call someone another gospel, preaching another gospel. Um, so I don't make that claim. Christina Hunt says, why was Jesus bound to the law? Meaning, why did he have to die? I wondered, I'm wondering because it says in scripture that with God, all things are possible. Um, um, well, let's back up from the, I'll start at the end of the question, right? With God, all things are possible. So, um, God is the one who, who could do anything, but he chose that it would be this plan for salvation, right? 
that he would allow man these, these choices, man's sins, and then he gives the Savior to cover our sins, to take our place. Jesus dies for my sin. He takes the penalty for my wickedness. This was in the plan of God. This was what God chose to do. Um, now, on one side, you could say, is it possible for God to just forgive without Jesus dying? And um, I'm not sure that it's possible, at least in the sense of it violates the plan and promises of God. It, it, it may also be impossible in another sense. God is holy and he has to, he's going to punish sin or he's not just and holy. And yet he's loving and he wants to save us. And so in Jesus, he does both of those things. He punishes sin and yet he saves us. I believe it's the Psalms that say uh, mercy and, and um, uh, mercy, is it mercy and peace have kissed? Oh, I forget the name, the phrase in the Psalm. It's this beautiful picture of the contrast between the judgment and justice and the mercy and grace that we see at the cross. Um, so yeah, that's why Jesus came bound to the law or under the law. It was so that he could redeem us who had sinned. Um, let's see, Rachel, Rachel Monster has a question. Um, are present day Jews no longer set apart? Should they no longer be circumcising their boys and following other laws? Um, I, I, I don't see anything in scripture that says for Jews to stop circumcising. And I'm, I'm not, I would not say that. No. And, um, I would expect a modern Jew. Here's what I would expect if a modern Jew who say that they don't know Christ, they get saved. They put their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, their, their Yeshua Mashiach, right? Their Messiah. I expect them to continue being very Jewish, just like it seems many of the apostles did and the early church did. And, and for, for answering that question, maybe go back and look at last week's video on the book of Acts. So Hebrew Roots and the book of Acts, that was last week. It's in the playlist in the description. Um, yeah. Let's see. I'll, I'll answer a couple more and then we're going to call it a night. Um, Lou LaRoe says, do I, Brother, do I condemn myself if I find certain laws a joyful part of my walk? i.e. celebrating the feasts or clean eating because I believe it's healthy. Is it all or nothing? No, sir. Um, please, please. And, and I'm glad you asked that question, Luke, because I don't want to send the wrong message here. Romans 14 seems to, it seems to then, okay, Galatians, Romans, they deal with the idea of how we're saved and not under the law. And positionally, we're not under the law. But Romans 14 in particular deals with this idea and 1 Corinthians that, you know, some people, they're going to be wanting to participate in some of these things because of their conscience, because of other issues. Let's not make it a matter between brothers. Go ahead. I know that might sound like I'm contradicting something, but that's the idea. Because we're not under it, right, there is a certain flexibility in relation to the law, um, to those elements. So it's all or nothing in the sense of positionally you're not under the law, right? It's, so it's nothing in that sense. But if you decide, oh, but I want to eat kosher because I just want to, or for some reason my conscience feels like I should, go ahead. And I wouldn't have a problem with you doing that. Um, but when you start putting on other believers, that is a problem. And that is where uh, Romans 14 comes in and gives us the perfect balance. Um, Susan and Ron, last question for tonight, says, how do the Ten Commandments and other laws relate to us today? Still a bit confused on this subject. Um, uh, yeah, so we're not positionally under the Ten Commandments but we still learn truths of God from the Ten Commandments. Here's where I'm not going to separate the law into moral, civil, ceremonial. Like, that's convenient, but it, I don't know if that's the right way to do it. Because now we're saying part of the law we're, we're bound by. When actually it seems like we're not bound by any of it. Right? So what I will do is I'll say, I'm going to follow the character and teachings of Christ. And as I look at the Old Testament law, I want to learn what I can from it. And that's where Paul seems to interpret the law and use it as wisdom. As in as different kinds a different kind of instruction, um, for example, 
Paul um, talks about children obey your parents because it's the first commandment, you know, with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long upon the earth. So that's in Ephesians 5. He talks about children obey your parents and connects it to this. Yet he says we're not under the law, but he still uses the law to, to gain this wisdom from it. And so I look at the commandments and I go, ah, oh, yeah, that, you know, do not covet still has relevance, right? The Sabbath has a different kind of relevance. And I, I look at, I just have to look at it thoughtfully. I think most Christians don't have that hard of a time actually doing this, but some do. And for a guide, we can look at how the New Testament epistles in particular, right? How they interpret the law and apply it to, uh, to the issues going on in the church. For instance, Paul also gives an example. He talks about how um, people who are serving in ministry, they're full-time ministry, they're like, they're laboring for the Lord, how they should be provided for by the people they're ministering to. Not like putting their hand out to beg and not, not becoming filthy rich or something, but just being taken care of. And he quotes Deuteronomy and says, for you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain. Now that's a law that has to do with the idea that you don't, you don't put a block in front of the mouth of the oxen while it's treading the grain so that it can eat while it plows. It can eat food while it plows. Hey, don't be cruel. Come on, let the thing eat while it plows. It's working. Let it, let it eat. And so he applies this in a completely different way. He takes the principle from it and he applies that to the church and says, hey, God didn't write this just for them, but there is for our examples too. So, you know, I don't want for ministers to have to starve to death in order to serve the Lord. That's the idea. Um, and so um, the, the application, the idea is perhaps a way to look at it as Paul sees it as instruction, or I should say, that's probably a, a, of the wrong word to use, as, a, as wisdom, um, the law as, as wisdom. Um, maybe that's one way to look at it. So yeah, I may do a, a study up and do a whole teaching on that topic because I think it's really relevant. I do also have a video series on my a playlist on my channel called How to Understand the Old Testament Law. It's two parts. And that may help as well, especially part two, where I get into some of this stuff in detail. So thank you guys for being with me. Um, I'm not making any promises for what's going on next week. To be honest, I'm not positive I'll have a live stream, but I will try and we'll see. I don't want you to create expectation there. So I'll let you guys know what's going on as it's coming up. And then in two weeks, the plan, two weeks from today, is to have um, Mike Lycona, who's a historian, professional historian, come on and talk about the Jesus mythicist movement. That's right, Jesus Mithers. So I'm going to try to get him to respond and react to various different uh, claims from the Mythicist movement, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm grateful that he made the time to do it. So uh, God bless you. If you love this ministry and you want to help support it, please click down in, in the description. You can see a support link there. I'm literally doing this off of your guys' support because I want everything I do to be free, and I want to keep uh, producing that content. So if it's on your heart, please do so. If not, don't sweat it. I do not, most of you, I don't need you to do anything. We just need enough people who want to support this ministry to fuel it and help it happen. Uh, also, if you want to get your Bible Thinker mug, there's a link in the description down below. You can get your own little Bible Thinker mug just uh, just for fun. And make sure to read the instructions at that link so you know how to deal with the shipping issues and all that stuff. Um, all right. Lord bless you guys. 